Has the Lord done something good for you this week? I'm sure I, I didn't hear you. Oh. I, I know he heard you, but, but I, since I asked the question, I, I need to hear you. Did the, has the Lord done something good for you this week? Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, it's interesting. Every day, every moment, you think about life. You inhale, you exhale, and you just say, praise God. That he's allowed me to have another breath. I wake up in the morning and I said, I'm alive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And here I am at another week, another Sabbath day. Praise God for the Sabbath day. The Lord has truly been good to me. And I, I just can't tell you how thrilled I am of God's goodness to me. You know, the Lord, uh, he has his own way of dealing with us. And we all have different needs. Amen. And God will supply our needs. You believe that? I believe it. You know, let me just tell you this quick story. When my wife and I had a school over on 42nd and Prescott, and I may have said this before, we were in a financial bind, and we needed some serious dollars. And I was praying, Lord, please help us. I called a gentleman, and the Lord had already moved upon this man's heart. And he sent us $35,000 to take care of our need. Amen. I want to tell you, I went skipping down the hallway that day. I was praising God that day because I know from experience that God can truly help us when we are in need. I know that when my mother died, God was right there. And I know that some of us have experienced loss. But I want to reassure you today that God is right there. And all you have to do is reach out to him because he's already reaching out to you. Somebody may have lost a job. Maybe you're in need of food in your home. God will take care of you. You believe that? Somebody may be sick. God will take care of you. I honestly believe that if we just trust God, We'll be all right. We'll be all right. I want to thank Brother Samuel for reading the scripture for us today. In fact, uh, he was telling me in the back, can, can I say this? Can I do this? And I was afraid. I thought this man was going to, he's going to preach. <laughs> I said, Samuel, I said, just focus on the text here. Because I was afraid he's about to get filled with the Holy Spirit and start preaching. You know, but... Uh, I'm just uh, so thankful to see young people being involved in our services. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for your goodness and mercy to us. You love us like no other. And may we come to realize the depth and breadth of your love for us. Oh God. When we contemplate what you have done, 
we can only say that you love us. And that there is no God like this God who was willing to give himself for sinners, for people who did not love or care about him. So, Father, I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for sending your son to trade places with me. I want to thank you, Father, for what you've done for the entire world. And now we pray today that you will bless us as we present these words. May my lips speak the words that you've given me, and may the ears and the hearts and the minds of the people receive them as you design. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The MS Herald of Free Enterprise, a roll-on and roll-off car ferry, was leaving Zeebrugge, a seaport of northwest Belgium, headed toward Dover, England. The whole front of the ship opened so cars and lorries, that is, large motor trucks, could be loaded onto the lower decks. One dark winter night on March 6, 1987, around 7 p.m., with the vehicles loaded and 563 passengers on board, Captain David Lurie put to sea. All was going well in the sheltered harbor, but one mile out, when they hit high seas, the ship capsized in 90 seconds and sank within five minutes. 193 people drowned. The ship was put to sea with its front loading doors wide open. There was no indicator light on the bridge. The captain assumed that the seamen responsible for closing the doors had done so. Instead, he was asleep in the cabin. Because his assistant, this petty officer in charge of rigging anchors, Mark Stanley, was asleep on the job, 193 people died. We all need physical sleep, so there is nothing wrong with sleeping. It rejuvenates us. It rejuvenates us to the point that we can have the energy to work the next day. But if we are sleeping when it is time to be awake, it can be disastrous, as in the case of Mark Stanley. And really, in the case of those 193 people, Apostle Paul, in Romans 13th chapter, beginning with verse 11, he says, And do this, knowing the time, that time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Paul tells believers, if you are spiritually asleep, wake up. The Bible is like our spiritual alarm clock. And as we see, read, and hear the various things going on around the world, we should know and understand the need 
to awake spiritually. Proverbs 6, verse 9, and chapter 19, verse 15, raises the question, How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A sluggard is someone who is habitually lazy, inactive. Such a person does not take personal responsibility for his own life. I believe you would agree with me that we are living in some perilous times, amen? Some difficult times, some trying times, economically, politically, morally. And Jesus told us in Matthew 24 that there would come a time where there would be wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, earthquakes in different places. He also said that there would be lawlessness and how it would increase and that the love of many would become cold. Apostle Paul mentions how in the last days, perilous times are going to come. And he goes on to tell us of the various things that will be happening. But do we as Christians know what to do? What are we going to do about all these things happening? Is it because we are asleep? The time has come for a revival, amen? I need a revival and you need a revival. And I was reading in a book where the man said, if you really want a revival, go home, find a quiet spot and where no one can disturb you and pray fervently, brokenly and pray and God will start a revival in you. We have a tendency to worry about revival in other people but the revival really needs to begin in us. You know, I, I, I've said this before, but you know, I, I, I have a sweet wife, and, but I know that God is not going to save me based on her sweetness. He's going to save me based on my willingness to surrender to his will. So brothers and sisters, the revival starts with each one of us individually. Amen? The world is looking to see what real Christians are like. They are waiting to see Christ revealed in the lives of Christians. Have we become so carnal, so selfish, so worldly and sinful that the world is confused as to what a Christian really looks like? So brothers and sisters, Paul has said it is high time that we wake out of our slumber. These times in which we live should compel us to get serious about God. Are you serious about God? Think about your own life. And I, had to, I think about my life. Am I really serious about God? Or do I believe that, well, God knows my heart and I know that he will save me. Brothers and sisters, God does know our hearts. And he will save us if we will surrender. Serious. Are we serious about getting to know God? Are we serious about learning to love him? Are we serious about serving him and following his life of self-denial and service? By these things, the world may experience the truth of his salvation. And then Paul goes on to talk about salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I want you to think about this the rapidly diminishing space of time 
between when we first believed and eternity should deeply impress us to awake. Because when we first believed, when we first gave our hearts to Christ, and to this point, between then and now, that period of time has diminished and it's rapidly diminishing. It's diminishing, brothers and sisters, and it should deeply impress us to wake out of our slumber. Every day that passes makes it one less day God can complete his work of perfecting our characters. Although Christ has not come yet, we should not allow, we should not allow this delay to cause us to become careless in our Christian walk, to become inattentive, distracted, and fall into slumber. Nor should it cause us to become indifferent to spiritual realities. With all of the blazing light of truth shining all around us, and yet we are insensible to the truth. Many of us are not preparing for the great day of God's return. Neither do we seem to be interested in religious truth. I want to share this passage with you, written 129 years ago by a little lady named Ellen White, Review and Herald, December 18, 1888, and this is what she says. She says, a time is coming when the rulers of our nation will, by legislative enactments, enforce the Sunday law and thus God's people be brought into great peril. When our nation in its legislative councils shall enact laws to bind the consciences of men in regard to their religious privileges, enforcing Sunday observance and bringing oppressive power to bear against those who keep the Seventh-day Sabbath, the law of God will, to all intents and purposes, be made void in our land. And national apostasy will be followed by national ruin. We see, she continues, we see that those who are now keeping the commandments of God need to bestir themselves. They need to arouse themselves, exert themselves, that they may obtain the special help that God wants to give them. She also says in 1892, November 22 in Review and Herald, let everyone who claims to believe that the Lord is soon coming. And I think we all believe the Lord is coming soon, amen? She says, search the scriptures as never before, for Satan is determined to try every device possible to keep souls in darkness and blind the mind to the perils of the times in which we are living. Let every believer take up his Bible with earnest prayer that he may be enlightened by the Holy Spirit as to what is truth, that he may know more of God and of Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Search for the truth as for hidden treasures and disappoint the enemy. The time of test, the time of test is just upon us. For the loud cry of the third angel has already begun in the revelation of the righteousness of Christ, the sin-partening Redeemer. May the Lord reveal to the people, to his people, and to all other people, the perils that are before them that they may arouse from 
their spiritual slumber and trim their lamps and be found watching for the bridegroom. Are you watching for the bridegroom? Are you watching for the bridegroom? Or are we so caught up into trying to get ahead, maintain that we've lost our focus on watching and waiting and praying for the bridegroom? Don't you know that this is not our home? This is not the Christian's home. This is just a temporary stop off. And it's only that way because of sin. As Christians, we must show by our lives and our character that we believe Jesus is coming soon. We need, to, we need to demonstrate by our lives, by the way we carry ourselves, by the way we interact with people, we need to demonstrate that we believe that Jesus is coming soon. He goes on to say, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Cast off the works of darkness, Paul says, and put on the armor of light. Live in the day, not in reverie and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's remember, he's talking to Christians in Rome. He's talking to them whose spiritual lethargy and laziness made them appear as though they had no spiritual life. Now the question you need to ask yourself, is he also talking to the Christians at Stone Tower? Is he talking to me? Because we, made, we need to make this thing an individual thing. I want to see my church I like to see the church on fire for God but if the church does not get on fire for God I need to get on fire for God because God does not save in groups are you aware of that just because you are a traditional church and you're trying to serve God he's not going to say well this is a traditional church I'm going to save them because they're trying to do what's right God deals with us individually When it, what is Paul talking about when he talks about the night is far spent? The day is at hand. Cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. What is Paul saying here? Well, Paul is saying, take off the clothes of darkness and put on day clothes. Awaken from the darkness of sin and put on the armor of Christ. Walk properly or live properly as in the day, not in reverie, drunkenness, not in licentiousness and lewdness, not in strife, not in envy. Lay aside the works of darkness, those evil habits, and put on the armor of light. Put on Christ. Now listen, let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Let's take a look here. Ephesians 4, I want to go to verse 22 first. Ephesians 4, verse 22. In fact, let me start with 20. It says, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. 
that you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man, the old man, the old man who gets upset so quickly. The old man who gets jealous because they didn't get a position that they wanted to have. The old man who says, well, it says, I didn't get that position. I'm not going to do anything. The old man who gossips and lies. The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is telling us to wake up, brothers and sisters. We are not conscious or being conscious of where we are and what we need to be doing. We are so caught up in this world that we have lost perspective of God's world. We like to talk about the culture of this world, but we don't often talk about the culture of heaven. You know, heaven has a culture. And that's the culture that we need to try to embrace. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Colossians 3, verses 8 to 10 says this, But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of his creator. 1 Peter 2.1 says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Now think about this. Paul is saying this. I'm just repeating what Paul said. Paul said this, and he said this to Christians. He told Christians to wake up. This is us, brothers and sisters. I don't care how pious we want to look. I don't care what position we hold in the church. This is us. Paul, maybe, maybe he was talking to the Roman Christians but he's also talking to the Stone Tower Christians. He's talking to the Oregon Conference Christians. He's talking to the Union Christians and the NAD Christians, NAD Christians and the General Conference Christians, the world, all Christians. He is talking to them. He's talking to each one of us. How can you How can you be asleep and do God's work? How, how, how can we slumber and be loving and kind? And, you know, and, and in fact, I was, I, was, I was at a meeting this past week, and 
at the conference office and they were saying how we need to know God, we need to love God, and we need to serve like God. How is that possible if we are asleep? First Thessalonians 5, verses 4 to 8 says this, You are all children of the light. This is what we're supposed to be. Children of the light, children of the day. We, are, we do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us not be like others who are asleep. But let us awake and be sober. To be serious about God. We say we believe he's coming. But our lives and, and, and our involvement in things does not suggest that we are serious about the second coming of Christ. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be serious. Let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Those who see the night cometh and also the morning should work with untiring energy to arouse their sleeping associates. Can they not feel their peril? Pray for them. Put off the clothes worn in the night and put on the armor of light. Now here's something serious that prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 56 verse 10. He says this, of what value is a lazy watchdog? His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs that cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Even the prophet Ezekiel gets into this. And he says, God appointed Ezekiel as a spiritual watchman. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give them no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. Now that's serious. That's serious. Because what that is saying is that those of us, we've come into Christ, we've, we've accepted Christ and his righteousness, and we've been baptized, and now God has given us commission to go and share his love with the people and also share the warning of his soon coming. And if we do not, God is going to hold us responsible. He says, when I say to the wicked... You shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet, if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. But you have delivered your soul again when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity and I lay a stumbling block before him and he shall die because you did not give him warning he shall die in his sin and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered but his blood I will require at your hand 
the call to Christ is a serious call. And for so long, brothers and sisters, we have not taken the call of Christ seriously. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took the warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. As Christians, we too are watchmen. We must warn the loss the pen, of the pending destruction that's coming upon the earth. We must call them to repentance. Isn't that what God sent Jonah to do? To tell those Ninevites to repent of their wicked ways? But as he has called Jonah, he is now calling you and me. And he says, go tell the Portlanders to turn from their wicked ways. Walk, it says here, as Christians we are to be a watchman. He says, we must call them to repentance. Do we run away like Jonah or do we sleep like lazy watchdogs? He says, walk honestly as in the day, avoiding the works of darkness. The works of darkness. Now, I tell you, brothers and sisters, this is, this is serious. When I, when I read this, I said, Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I, am I warning the people? Am I sharing your love with the people? Walk honestly as in the day, avoiding the works of darkness. Where there are riot and drunkenness, there usually are chambering or immoral activity in the bedroom and wantonness, strife, and envy. Knowing what we know, and if we understand what we know, we need to wake up. We need to awake from slumbering. How can we sleep and heaven be so near at hand? How is it possible, brothers and sisters, that we can be sleeping unconscious of what's going on around us and the responsibilities that we have to share the gospel message with others when heaven is right around the corner. And God is going to hold those who profess to be his people responsible for doing the work. All we have to do is look at the life of Jesus and the work that he did. Look at what Jesus did. We need to imitate the life of Christ and with the coming of Jesus nearer today than ever before, there is no time to sleep. If we understand the times in which we live, then we got to be committed to doing God's business. Amen? we got to be committed to allowing God to purify our hearts, our minds. No longer living as the old man or the old woman, but living in the new man, new woman, dispelling the darkness of sin, ignorance, and unbelief. Romans 6, 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we no longer should be slaves to sin. 
the life of darkness is past. This is what Paul is trying to tell us. You need to be finished with the life of darkness. Because the day is what we are people of, the light, the day. And our salvation is nearer today than when we first believed. You know Jesus' coming is sooner today than it was yesterday, than it was last year. What are you, how are you responding to the reality that his coming is sooner than later? The life of darkness is past. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. No longer procrastinating about my preparing to meet Christ in peace. No longer allowing the world to put me in a state of contentment, satisfaction, comfort with the things it offers. No longer offering God half-hearted commitment and devotion. No longer exhibiting a lack of interest and enthusiasm for spiritual things. There are many challenges, brothers and sisters, young people and older people. There are many challenges. And I say to you today, We need to make a change. We need to wake up. Because even though some of us may think we are awake, we may not be. And just because your eyes may be open doesn't mean that you are awake. You could be walk, sleeping in your, walking in your sleep, but your eyes open. And I'm saying that we need to make sure that we are in Christ and that we are alert to his will alert to his calling, alert to his admonition to go, to do, to listen to his voice, to be in tune with him. I pledge to stay awake and inspired by God's love and invitation to be a part of his family. I pledge to stay spiritually awake by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit, to do God's will, to avoid the works of darkness and adopt ways of light I pledge to be open to new ways of reaching others for the kingdom of God. I pledge to value the calling of God through Christ. I pledge to work for the building of the church in whatever way God wills. I pledge to make prayer and Bible study a priority in my life. Are you ready to accept that pledge? Are you ready to accept that pledge? Somebody here today wants to accept that pledge. Someone other than me wants to accept that pledge. The pledge to do God's will, to avoid the works of darkness, to adopt the ways of light, the, the pledge to stay spiritually in tune, awake by the grace of God through his Holy Spirit, to open up to his leading in way, new ways of reaching others for the kingdom, to work for the building of his church. Are you open to that? Is there someone here today who says, yes, I would like to accept that pledge. Just stand where you are. If you are willing to accept that pledge, and this pledge is not just for everyone who, if you're not willing to accept the pledge, don't, don't stand. But the pledge is a simple pledge. 
It's really a pledge of surrendering completely, totally to God. It's not a pledge that says, I surrender all, but I'm keeping back most of it. It's not that kind of pledge. This is a pledge that says, starting today, I'm going to do some things differently. I'm going to pledge to God to give my life to him completely. I'm not going to ask you to come down and pray. I'm going to pray for you right here. But I want you to be thinking about your pledge to God and how you can stay awake. Because it's past time for us to wake up. Jesus is about to come. And if we have not made our calling and election sure, we can do it today. We can do it right now. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you. And I want to praise you. I want to thank you, Lord, for allowing me, a sinner man, saved by the grace of God, willing to listen to what you have to say, willing to go where you say go and do what you say do. I pray, Lord, that you will help me to to accept that challenge. And my brothers and sisters who are standing are saying the same thing. They're, They're wanting to accept the challenges, Lord, of staying alert, staying sober, staying and getting serious about serving you. It would be a terrible thing, Father, for you to come back and after having spent all this time in church singing the hymns of Zion, giving tithe and offering, doing all these things in the church and be lost. But the motive for serving you has to be a love for you. And I pray that you will help us. Help us today to be willing to give ourselves completely to you. That your love will fill us and we will learn to love you and love one another. May we work in your church, whatever church we go to, to build the church, to build the church, to let the people know all around us that Jesus is real and he's real in our lives and that he wants to save you too. We need to tell these people around the Kearns neighborhood. We need to tell the people in the various neighborhoods throughout Portland. We need to get busy and be serious about doing your work. So come and help us, Lord. Bless our efforts. You know some of us are sick. Some of us have some particular issues that only you can deal with. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us and help us. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.